All right, here we go. Three, two, one. We're live. This is the Hive Podcast. This is your host, Brian Wright. And today, we finally got him. We got the big man, Corey Anderson. What's going on, people? Welcome to the podcast, Corey. Thanks for having me. Been trying to get you on here for a while, but our schedules have been kind of weird. Yeah, finally worked out. Finally worked out, and I had to drop off for a couple weeks because I had a hacking cough, which was just miserable. I don't think people wanted to hear me coughing in between everything. Mucus all on the mic and shit. No. That's pretty disgusting. <laughs> you, you you had to go there. Oh, you know me. Yeah, I know how you are. And you know how I am, too. So, yeah. shit, if Carl was here, this would, be a, this would be a nightmare. We wouldn't even get anything done. No, we wouldn't get anything done. So We would talk shit on Brian, though. <laughs> Pick on the old guy. Pick on the old guy. Jesus. So, you got a big fight coming up, huh? Yeah, every fight's a big fight. So Yeah, but this is a fight, you know, in your new home. So it's close to where you're living, so Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And it's a guy that should have been your last opponent, but things happen, and now you actually get him. Yep. How do you feel about this? I feel good, confident. Uh, I wanted this fight for a long time. He called me out um, after I debuted in the UFC. And he wanted Did he really? Me. Yeah. And I responded back and told him I'm your Huckleberry, contact the UFC, but the manager said, in time, his time will come. You know, we've crossed paths a couple times at the fights. We fought on the same car in um, New Jersey at Prudential Center before. And, you know, he was kind of eyeballing me there. I eyeballed him. And we just knew eventually the time was going to come. And when you say an eyeball, was he, like, is he being cool with you or is he kind of being a dick call out? Well, when he called me out, he was like, it was after he beat the Tough Nations champ. He said, oh, I want to beat another champ or something. I want Corey Anderson next since he won. I want to show who's the better 205 or whatever. And was like, I'm your Huckleberry. You want it? Let's go. And, uh... So when I seen him in person, it's kind of like that little smirky smile. Yeah. Like he really didn't want to make a scene out of it. More like he wanted to be cool, like it wasn't a bad call out. But I took offense to a period. You called my name on the national TV. You wanted me, so let's get it on. Now he's got you. Yeah. We've actually fought on three cards together. We fought on the Brazil cards as well. But, you know, there he didn't make much contact, eye contact with me. We actually was in the same locker room one time. He didn't even look over my way once while he was working out and I, I watched him I stayed this whole time so some guys do that routine where they talk really big on the mic and then when they get off the mic you know they're a different person I can't really figure out who he is but I don't really care I just want to see you put this guy down they had plan on it. knock that mustache out of him. <laughs> he looks like one of those old school bare knuckle boxers with that thing look like a pedophile <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. That's what I look at. That's All right. I picture. Hmm. Like, if I had a kid, I'd kill this motherfucker. Now I'm never going to look at him the same way. You just ruined you shouldn't. it. shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> How long you been fighting now? Um, March was four years. Four or five years. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really crazy. I've been in the UFC for four years. How long did you train before your first fight? Uh, went, my first time in the gym was 2012 out of college. Uh, I guess you can say I was training for about a year before my first fight. Wow. So you really, five, six years tops. Yeah. And what num- where, where are you at in the rankings? I know it doesn't really I'm matter. Now. But you're 10. Yeah. So you're, you're all the way up to like six, but when there are these different fights and losses. But you're, but you're a top 10 light heavyweight in the UFC in, we'll say, six years of training. Yeah. I've been a top 10 light heavyweight in the UFC within two years of training. My first year, I cracked the top 10. Yeah. So. The one thing with you, when I watch you fight, I feel like you're learning a lot of things on the job, which is the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> it's wild because you really don't have a lot of experience and you're taking on the best guys in the world in, the, in your weight class 
and you're not just holding your own you're doing really well and you're adjusting every time and you're you're just you're an interesting person to see in the division because you just you just keep evolving 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 and no matter what happens you just keep evolving you know you don't you don't stay down you're not one to do that no I mean, it's like you said i'm learning on the fly as i'm going and uh as ricardo almeida once told me after my second fight or whatever every fight you have you gain probably three four months experience absolutely and uh my first fight in ufc I had only been fighting for a year, you know. When I debuted in the UFC, it was like a little bit over a year I had been fighting, not training, but fighting. Then the next fight was probably three months after that. Then four months after that, I fought again. Then a month after that, then four weeks after that, I had I was booking fights back to back to back. Every time they called or somebody needed one, I would call. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll take it. So before you know, I had, what, seven fights to my UFC contract. I was on my second contract within a year and a half, two years, because I just kept jumping in and taking fights. I was like a heavyweight Donald Cerrone, you could say. Yeah, that that is that's crazy. I mean, your fighting style is such, too, where you, you, you stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You don't take a lot of damage, and you, know, you put a lot of damage on guys. You're very heavy on top, and you, you put it on them, which is, which is nice. Um, it's just wild. Again, to see you come pretty much out of nowhere, be in the mix, have all these fights. You've had your ups and downs, but you've definitely had more ups than you've had downs. Mm-hmm. And it's just been just progress, 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 progress. It's pretty cool. It, to, since your last fight, you know we've been able to do some work too. And you're a quick learner and you evolve fast. And you've got so many good people around you and absorbing so much stuff from it. You know, you've got Mark Henry. You've got Ricardo. I mean, just... They're like bookends of knowledge that, I mean, it's, I don't even know how to describe that. It's They've just you have so yourself. much knowledge right there. Yeah, you got like Ricardo Almeida, who was a UFC vet himself, who's been in it, who's one of the top guys. But it's not even just that. It's guys. the timing in which he came up, too. Mm-hmm. He came up in a little bit of that Wild West time where the rules were different from no show to boss. show. Guys were a little bit more wild. Like, it was different back then. Yeah, <laughs> back in Pride when there's no time and 10-minute rounds yeah. and shit like that. So, yeah, when well, you got guys like that. They encourage that warrior mentality, yes. you know, and sparring. Then you got guys like Mark who boxed in a newer day, not newer, newer day of age, but the rules in boxing were the same as pride. You know, yes. there's more rules and more technical and safety sparring. And when you got both of those guys working together, you got one guy looking out for your well-being and one guy pushing you to be a monster to the best of your ability. No matter what it is, be tough, be be strong, keep fighting, kill this guy, break this guy. You know, you go out there and break his arm, whatever it is, and you put it together and you mingle it together. It's like... Like I said, it's a perfect mixture. The one thing with Mark, too, is the experience that he has with Frank Yeager taking him from a raw, talented person to become the Frank Yeager that we know, that team together. To have that experience of being where Frankie was to then being as high as he was and then staying at the level he is. The thing that's so crazy about Frankie and what shows you the strength of Mark and their relationship is Frankie gets better in age. This is crazy. Like, he shouldn't be doing what he's doing right now. 36 years of age. It's insane. And he's and getting better every fight. Time. Even the last fight. So we get, okay, you got caught. You fight enough rounds, you're going to get knocked out. It's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. You're in there long enough, somebody's going to catch you. Unless Floyd Mayweather, but that's another story. <laughs> but, but you know, in MMA, you can't avoid it all forever. No. It's going to come to you at some point. And, I mean, that was just one of those things. And now he's hopping right back in and he's... And, going to be fighting the same card. Yeah, and the suspension, he doesn't get, I mean, he just got that warrior mentality. His suspension is up the 18th, oh no, what was it, 20, yeah, suspension is up on the 18th, and he's going to take that fight on the 21st. 
So he can't even spar hard. He can't do anything but drill technically all the way up into the fight. And that's his mindset. He's just a warrior. The fact that he knows, I mean, one, he fought Cub Swanson once. You know, once you beat a guy, you kind of got that mindset. You always worry. You never look past the person. Yeah. So you got that mindset, like, I beat this guy. I can do it again. And then he's also, he's Frankie Edgar. He's yeah. the legend, the answer. You know, I've done it. I fought on short notice. I fought these guys on short notice. You know, I can do this whenever. I'm always in shape. I'm always in the gym. I'm always running. I'm always lifting. It's nothing. Sign me up. And that's what he did. How motivating is it for you to be a part of Frankie's team? I mean, like I tell everybody, meeting Frankie is probably one of the best things that could happen in my life. One of the top, top three, you know. Um, and it's been amazing. Just like you said, if you look at Frankie, and if you don't know Frankie from his beginning stages and how he was raw to where he is now, Joe Rogan once said it. What was it Joe Rogan? Um, Goldberg, one of them said, if you look at Corey Anderson, he is a product of Mark Henry, just like Frankie Edgar. Because Corey Anderson came to UFC Raw with three fights with yep. nothing. And now look at where he is now, the way he's growing, the way he's evolving. It's pretty much the same thing that happened with Frankie Edgar when we saw him come onto the scene. It's pretty much it's identical. Yeah. When I got here, Mark said, you remind me of Frankie Edgar. You're young. You're a wrestler. You're hungry. You want to learn. So you're willing to be in the gym all day. You put in the time. And you're like a sponge. You soak it all up. And to be around Frankie, you hear people say, you're like Frankie Edgar. You the same way he was when he started. You couldn't get him out of the gym. He wanted to learn this. He wanted to learn that. You sit there and you study Frankie and everything he says to you. It's kind of like a heartfelt moment. If he sit there and talk to me in a good way and tell me, bro, you inspire me when you said this. You're somebody he once told me. You're somebody I want my kids to look up to when they grow up. You know, and that, I went in the locker room and almost cried. You know, think about someone as your hero now when you got into the fight game. You didn't know who Frank Edgar was. I didn't know who he was until so he picked me on the show. Yeah. And I got to know about him and the guys in the house told me and I went home after the show and did tons of research on him and just watched all his fights and ever since then he's been like my idol, my mentor to have somebody like that around you to watch and pay attention to and I want to do I say if I can retire the game and accomplish half things Frankie has done I had a such a career see I, I one thing about MMA that I've always appreciated is I feel like it's one of the more accessible sports I was talking with with uh, somebody about football, that you would never walk into a gym and go have a catch with Tom Brady. But you can walk into a gym and see Frankie Edgar, and you could be on the same mat as him, and you could have access to him. You got it from the Ultimate Fighter. But one thing about MMA, it's just it definitely collects more people together than a lot of other sports do. I don't know if it's because of the wrestling culture. It's more of a, a lot of the guys that come from wrestling. They're always building teams around them. You know, you guys are very team-oriented that way. Um, but you have so much opportunity in MMA as you start to rise to the ranks that you can get access to these guys that you're watching. You grow up watching on pay-per-view. You can go and meet them, and you can train with them. It's very accessible, and if you don't take advantage of that on the way up, I think you're foolish because experience, you know, that that's the thing. To be able to be around guys with that kind of experience, not just for the inspiration, but the actual technical experience, the advice. I mean, look at... Training, going to fight overseas is not a normal experience. You know, you've got to be prepared for what the flight's going to do to you. You've got to be prepared for what the food's going to do to you. If you can drink the water, the time difference, all these different things. To have, you know, the general who's been there and done that and is going to give you those little, little tweaks. You know, I, I tell Carl, like, we're, we're going to Brazil. I'm like, yo, a couple weeks out, I need you to start living on the time where you're going so your body starts to get in that rhythm. Because, I mean, I've been there and done that myself. I mean, shit. When I went to Japan, I started living on Japanese time like a month before I went because I knew I only had a couple days when I got there to acclimate and then I had to fight, whatever. But, you know, that experience I get to hand off my guys, the experience that you get from your coaches get to pass on to you. And I just like to see that. That's that, that handoff. That's one of the... 
It's one of the cool parts about what we do. Yeah, like like you said, you can go into a gym and watch this shit. Like yeah. you come to Nicotones, like he got that big glass wall, and on Saturday mornings it's like a UFC pay per view in there. You yeah. got guys from Edson Barbosa, Marlon Morales, Frankie Edgar, Eddie Alvarez. Sometimes Jim Miller come down, David Branch, me, Carl Roberson. You got all these guys that either ranked in the top 10 in their weight class are going to be ranked or going to be world champions. Chris Wyman, those different guys that come down when they got belts. Michael Chandler, these guys have been in it. And people, kids sit at that window and watch. And they really, half of them don't even know what they're watching. Yep. But if they end up getting to the sport and eventually they learn who it was they've been watching. It's going to be like, man, you guys paying 60, 70 bucks to watch these on pay-per-view nowadays. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I used to watch them. In person, in the window, all day, every day. Like, they're legends, and they can sit there and say, I watched that in person, and it was free. That's one of the fortunate things about what we've got going in New Jersey right now, and I think one of the reasons why so much talent's coming out of this area is the fact that Nick's the first guy to build a larger training center with a full octagon and a large mat and to open his doors to guys. Like, no one else did that. Everybody was so tribal and territorial that... Normally on a Saturday, all those guys you mentioned would be in individual rooms spread out all over the place working with whoever. But just something came together with Nick's where he opened the door, allowed everybody in. And I mean, that's how you and Carl met. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I mean, and you two, I mean, it's invaluable what you two have done for each other. Like just to be able to have that melting pot of a gym where we all come in, there's a million coaches, there's a million athletes, all top level of everything's there and everybody gets to work with each other and what's cool too is like uh, now seeing the amateurs watching you guys and then seeing these amateurs go out and fight seeing these guys starting their careers after being around what you guys are doing week in and week out it was funny you said the other day <laughs> when the guys were hitting pads <laughs> Edson's doing, there's Edson on the one side and then there's the others on the other side and there's a big difference now those pads are being hit but the beautiful part about it is in time it's going to be, you know, Lewis is going to be in that ring hitting pads with somebody, and somebody else is going to be on the side. But Nick created a platform to allow that to happen. Yeah. And, and that's just a beautiful thing. I don't, if you're not from this world, you, it makes sense that someone would allow people to do it. But so many people, I mean, it just doesn't happen that often. There's not too many gyms that, that allow this. Yeah. And that's, that's been the, that's the big career booster for this area right now you know they got other gyms like um i've heard stories of att black zillions um like american top team jackson's all those guys they they got the big name guys but the big name guys don't train with each other because the fear of possibly training or fighting each other at some point or i don't want to show this person my move because they might tell somebody else that you know you gotta you gotta watch that you gotta 87 because the fact the fight game it ain't like it's a huge world. It's not no. a big a big pond of fish you can really pick from. Eventually, at some point, you're going to have to fight those guys. You know, when Carl did the contender, and he was at 205, and we even discussed it. Like, Jenny was like, oh, if he get picked up at 205, what if you guys have to fight? Jenny, and I told her, and Carl said, too, like, if we had to fight, we're going to fight. It's the if business, the money man. Is the business, if the it's money is right, we're going to do it. When I fought OSP, we worked out together two years ago in um, Phoenix, and I told him. Like, the guy was like, oh, you guys in the same weight class? Ain't it weird that y'all sitting here working out together? Like, no, we know the business. We know there's a chance that we're going to have to fight. And we text before our fights, good luck to your fight. All right, bro, congratulations, this and this. And when the fight came, literally, we, I got to New York. I got off the elevator, and the first person I saw was be like, hey, we talked about it. Let's get it. You ready? Like, bro, I've been ready since we met. 
And that's all it was. After the fight, we drank, we hung out together. There was no beef. It was the business. We're friends. Hey, it's man. The business. It's the business we're all in. And you can you can be adversaries or you can be professional about it and just do your job. Yeah. You know, it's our job. Like, I get guys ready to fight, and if people we know or people we got. I mean, do you know how many times I've had to stand across from coaches that I'm friends with, too? I don't give a shit. Every time I step in the cage of these amateur levels, the coach I worked with, or somebody I helped with and they coach you to come watch us. It's just part of the game, especially here in Jersey. Jersey is not that big. So, and there's so many fucking so fighters, many though. Fighters it's insane. So many gyms, but we've come across so many of them from one guy coming to Knicks or that guy came to check our car once or we invited that guy up to spar at another time in camp to help somebody else out. And he saw that guy spar. You know, like Jimmy Rivera and Marlon Morales. Now they fight. We used to have Tiger Showman come up Thursday and Saturday, yeah. Tuesdays to come up and spar, and they spar all the time. Frankie, Jimmy, and uh, Marlon, they used to go round robin on each other. You know, and now that we know how they both work, we know how they both work, but still, it's part of the business. Now it's time for them to fight. Any, anything can happen. Yep. You got to be, you just got to be open to whatever the it's going to bring. And at the end of the day, we don't, we don't, you know, we're, in control of careers to a point, but you still fight for an organization that's going to put the fights together. And one thing with the UFC, you don't say no. Because no. you say no, you're going to be on a bench for a while. They'll cut you or yeah. make you sit. And, and if, you won't make money. And if you don't respect the value that they see in that matchup, you know, you shouldn't be working for them anyway. They, they, they're going to dictate. It is what it is. That's, that's, you want to fight in the A-League? Got to do what the bosses are telling you to do. Yeah. Got to respect that. I get a lot of people always bitching and moaning about the UFC. Is it perfect? No. Is it the biggest, best-paying organization? Yeah. It's the most opportunity. I mean, you, you, where else are you going to go fight that you can make a full-time living doing it? Nowhere. Nowhere. I mean, Bellator, people talk about Bellator. I'm not I, I'm not buying it. Well, it's the sponsors, you know. And Bellator, you're making, you're making decent money, but not enough money from fighting to live off of. It's the sponsors that you can get outside that's helping them with it. For the people I know in Bellator and the guys I know that fought for Bellator and were the champions in Bellator or even contenders or even just working their way up to just train full time. It's not the money they make from Bellator. It's, only, it's the fact that they have the opportunity to wear companies on these shorts, brand themselves, and get paid. They can make outside connections with these other guys and get paid monthly. You know, we can't do that in the UFC, but still, without that, we still make more money than yes. guys in Bellator. And you have more opportunities to fight. The guys in Bellator don't have the opportunity to fight as much. Some of the divisions, the guys get more work. But again, they get into a weird flow where like a guy will get a couple fights a year. But in the UFC, if you get in the right track, you can fight four times in a year. Mm-hmm. Where Bellator, you're fine once or twice. So you're not really making that fight money. And if you're not out there in the public eye doing what you do successfully, it's more like what you just said where you have sponsors helping you out. I would rather be thriving off of my career than being helped out by sponsors getting by hoping another fight pops up yeah you know i want to be i want to have control of my opportunity and that's the one thing i feel the ufc does is they give you control of the opportunity if you say yes and you keep fighting and you keep winning hey get the opportunity carl we he fought four times in 2017 and um this year, we're not going to fight four times, which is kind of weird. But at the same time, we recognize he's new. He's got to prove himself. Wins next fight. Probably get a quicker turnaround this time. But USC's roster is a little clogged. They got a lot of guys right now. I mean, it's 200-something fighters, I think, at this point. I mean, it's a lot of fighters, and there's only so many shows. As many shows as it feels, there's only so many spots. 
and they still can't figure out these belts. What do you think about Tony Ferguson turning to say hi to somebody and blowing his knee out? I don't think that's how it happened. I hope that's not how it happened. How can you be that super athletic, kick a metal pole for training, a steel pole and all this stuff, and then you get hurt turning around? Hey, man. I thought that was April. Like, I thought the whole thing was April Fool's. I still thought it was April Fool's until last night until Eddie Alvarez did an Instagram Live and said they contacted him about the fight. And it was like, oh, well, maybe it ain't April Fool's. Then I read how he got hurt. I started thinking, wait, this got to be April Fool's. They said he turned to say hi to somebody he didn't expect to see and tripped over a piece of equipment. It's just like, you're that athletic, you're a world champ. You've been through all kinds of getting knocked upside the head, rock, drop, cut, and you tripped over a piece of equipment and you tore something where you can't fight. <laughs> I had a guy, I did a show once, and a guy, it was an amateur MMA show. I did it in Rahway. And this guy, they call his name, and he's like, hold on. He goes to take a piss. And he's standing, taking a piss, and he turns to go, and he slips like a little bit. He said his, his foot moves like four inches, blows his ACL out. It happens. Weird shit happens. I had a friend, uh, this guy, he was part of uh, Enshin Karate, bare knuckle karate, you know, the Kyokushin style, the crazy mm-hmm. bare knuckle full contact guys. So this dude's a fighter. He's a retired fighter at the time. N- insane shape. He's teaching summer camp. They're in the ocean. It's low tide. He's standing like in waist deep water. And a little wave comes rolling and bumps into him. And the dude just drops under the water. And everyone thinks he's screwing around. And they're like, wait a minute, he's not coming back up. His fucking back broke. <laughs> and he was paralyzed from the neck down. So my point is, Damn. as strong as we think we are, it's weird how like the weirdest angle can cause us to have horrific injury at times. So I, I could see it happening, but it's weird as fuck that it happened. I don't, I don't get Especially it. Especially on April Fool's. Yeah. Like everything came out on April Fool's on Sunday. Oh, it's not a joke. Oh, I saw two doctors. How can you see two doctors on Sunday? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy guy, so I'm just going to take it at face value. But the thing that I think is what's really good coming out of this, Max beats Khabib. I know. <laughs> don't look at me like that. You I know. got one word. But let's, let's, if Max let's, beats Khabib. But I love think Max about Holloway. It though. But, but I've just, met him but, multiple times. Love his family, his kid, his wife, his manager, his team, his family, everything. But this is... Could be we're talking about. But think about what happens if he wins. If he wins, that's a, he's got both Connor's belts. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my now god! Connor has to come back and fight again. You would think because Connor know, beat him oh and my he god. wants his rematch with Connor. But then again, it's Khabib. it's Khabib. I know. <laughs> all I know. Of, you can say all the oh man, this is crazy. That's a great possibility. Anything can happen. You know, everybody has a puncher chance. Anything can happen. Max is super fast. It ain't like he hasn't fought at fifty five before. But I know. <laughs> I know it's so hard. It's so I'm like the possibility of what could be off of this fight because I don't think Connor wants anything to do with Khabib. No. Who the fuck does? No. Max does because Max crazy. Max fight anybody. Yeah. Hawaiians will fight anybody. They fight their own mom for a dollar. They're crazy. The man just came off a, a ankle, a broken ankle, yeah. less than like a month ago. They said he was limping off the plane going into New York. Like yeah. he's cleared, but he's still like that's why just I fought again. Cleared. I'm just waiting till like Saturday when we get there. Oh, look at this. Tony Ferguson decided to come out, something like that, at weigh-ins or something. I'm waiting for the the, the, <laughs> the other shoe to the drop on this. Out the hat, yeah, you know, but it's just. At first, I was like, "Oh, we're waiting to see if they do the pictures of the autograph." Like usually, like, "Oh, the stars are in town." Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that yet. You know, Tuesday is the day they sign posters. They always make the picture. 
I haven't seen. Yeah, that but picture. the other, but the thing with Max too is they're saying uh, Lockhart said this is the second heaviest weight cut he'll ever do, or it's tied for the heaviest weight cut that he's ever done. So Max is literally on major lockdown making this weight. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We'll see what happens. I think I don't believe it till I see it. Yeah. When I get there Saturday, if I see Max walking down the aisle, I'll be like, okay, it's true. But until then, it's a hoax. They got blinds over our eyes. They're trying to do something to surprise us. I don't know. If, it's April Fool's week. I don't know <laughs> if they can pull that off technically, but... Well, weigh in or something. They're going to make Ferguson weigh in behind the curtains. Nobody's going to see it. Or something. I feel like it. I don't understand. I like, don't I understand know. you're crazy. But you're like, even though you're clear, I broke my ankle before. And my leg. So I know, even when you click, it takes months for that thing that's fully stable, yeah. stable to do anything. If you even try to stop one of Khabib's shots, as hard as he shoot and he plants, that leg can break again. So why would they even put him in that situation? I know it's two different guys. I know Edson and Max are two totally different guys, but Edson not being able to crack him, it kind of puts me in, a, in the spot where I'm like, I don't really know if Max is going to be able to crack him either. And Edson was ready for it, and Max is taking it on six days' notice. It's it's tough, but the but the freak aspect of it too. Max has nothing to lose. You never know; it might come out, let it all hang out, no stress, don't give a fuck. Who knows? Who knows? Hey man, it's MMA. It's MMA. The other thought is they got what was it three other fifty-five fights on the card? Why don't they do like previous? Like, bump one of those guys up to fight Khabib. Because I think they see the, the drama in the potential for Max versus Connor. They're thinking long-term here. I really yeah. think they're like, but okay. if Max didn't ask, they also posted to they offered to Ortega. Yeah. Like, what, what drama is that? Ortega doesn't have any drama with Connor. He wanted Holloway's belt. I mean, granted, to get the belt at 55. But Holloway's a big 45. But, or not Holloway. Um, Ortega's a bigger 45, but at 55, like I know Ortega personally, and standing next to him and standing next to Edson is two different complete things. Standing next to him, standing next to Eddie, really different things. You yeah. Know? I mean, even Frankie Perez, I introduced him to Frankie Perez, and it was a huge height difference, size difference. It's just not the same. I don't understand why they would. I can understand Hollow. But everything else, why would they offer to anybody else in 45 to fight for a 55 title? You know, you know what it is? With the UFC right now, you can't. Fi- there is no formula to what they're doing. You can't figure it out. They're just. I think they're just trying to look at angles, and they're thinking the way they're thinking. I. You just kind of have to sit back and take it as it comes with these guys. You know, it, the conversations have been really weird around since since WME took over. It's just different. I don't know if they really have an identity on what they want to be yet. I think they're trying to figure out how to build stars, and I think they're looking for just that opportunity to create something that people are going to talk about for a while to keep bringing the eyeballs to it i don't know i don't know it's tough because mma is as much of a spectacle as it is a sport and i feel like the ufc stuck where connor was such a spectacle that it was just so tempting to go that route but then connor's not around and you got all these athletes and so then it's more sportive like they just can't figure out where to go and then jayshek got knocked out by rose and rose you know, Rose is yeah. Rose. She's not putting on the big drama show either. You know, but Jay Sheck, she was exciting. She was interesting. She was entertaining. They lost her. It's just they're in a weird spot. They need champs. I think Ortega has potential to be the future. When that that card that Frankie was on, there was a lot of young talent on that that I said, wow. In time, they have a lot of superstars coming up. Yeah, There's a lot of really good people in the UFC right now. 45, Ortega definitely has this future star. Absolutely. I can see him taking it to Holloway. You know, his style, he's a gamer. You know, I, 
one thing when I met Ortega, he was like the training with me and OSP, and it was awkward. He kind of like something happened. He started talking shit to me. But he was joking. I didn't know who this guy was. <laughs> I just met this guy like ten seconds ago. And the first thing we do, he says something like smart. And I turn around, I'm like, what the, who the fuck is this dude? Like, oh, but he's kept going. Like, I'm just fucking with you, bro, blah, blah. And I said something back, and he kept coming. So, you know, it's like the relationship me and Carl have always shit talking yeah, yeah, back yeah. and forth. But you and didn't know him, so exactly. it's kind of like, what? Thing, like, I was like, this little dude got some balls. Like, <laughs> like, what the hell? But everything we did that week in training, it was a competition. You know, and he was talking. If I beat him, he talked shit. And if he beat me, he talked shit. And we talked shit the whole time. And we really came like, like tight as shit that whole weekend. We made plans next weekend. You going to Vegas for the fights? Yeah, the whole weekend, International Fight Week, we kicked it. Next weekend, where you at this week? We hung out probably for the next three weekends, kick it, because it was that cool. He's going to be up here in New York. I'm going to hit him up. We're going to kick it. In Vegas, he's out there. I hit him up. Yeah. We kick it. And it's, just, it's crazy how he's just, like, he's just that type of guy. When he comes in, he's full of energy. He comes at you because he's kind of hood. If you don't know Ortega, you seem like a, a good kid or whatever, but if you don't know Ortega, <laughs> Like when you get to know he him, came he, up hard. He exactly. didn't come up easy life. He didn't, exactly, and that's still in him. Yeah. So he'll talk shit to whoever to whoever it is. Goliath, he go up and talk shit because he doesn't care, you know. In his mind, if it went wrong, well, I'm a I'm a G, you know. I'm a fighter. If you have fuck it in you, you get along with everybody that we hang out with. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> like I didn't know he had that until I turned around. I said something. He actually was like, he was cool with it, and I bet it was a total of five minutes was in that room together, and after that was hanging out the whole trip. See, with you, when I figure out, like, when I look at personality types, for when I see you in the sport, you you are not a spectacle of a person. You're more of a, you're 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 a, definitely an athlete. You got a warrior spirit, and the one thing is, you take your wins and losses like a gentleman. You have a different vibe to you than a lot of these shit talking guys, and I find that your career is inspirational to guys coming up, and it's something to be a pleasure to be a part of. I don't mean to be heaping praises on you but the way you the way you respond to experience is very professional and it's just nice to work with and i like to watch your career and see the things you're doing and it's understandable why frankie would be like i want my kids to to look i want my kids to like watch your career and look up to you and whatnot i feel the same way with my son it's like when i point back at the guys i worked with you're definitely one of those guys that i've had experience with now i'm like yeah look at him he's he's doing he's doing it right so you've kept your head on your shoulders. You're very grounded, and you work. You're a hard fucking worker, man. There's a reason why they call you overtime. Are you overtime? Who gave you that? Frankie, Frankie, yeah. and Eddie. Gave yeah, because you just never stop. Yeah. Never stop, and you can't. One thing, guys. Carl learned this one early. I mean, Carl literally got his career started by being in shape, and you're in the same boat. Being in shape all the time. These guys that get so far out of shape that they can't take fights. It's ridiculous. You're missing opportunity. Yeah. I call it cutting the line all the time. Like, how do you cut the line? You're in shape, ready to go, ready to win at all fucking times. You need to be two weeks out all year round. Mm-hmm. And that's why you and Carl watching you guys work. You guys just don't slow down. Carl slows down more than you do. But well, mine says always, <laughs> always. If they call me right now, I'm nothing but two days away from making weight. Yeah. Always. Literally, what I think it was the five-year-old Maldonado fight. They called me two weeks notice. He's supposed to fight. Time all the time got hurt. Whatever. Like, oh, can you come out there and fight Fabio Maldonado? Yeah, whatever. When's the fight? Two weeks. Like, okay. Like, oh, so you come? But yeah, like, we need your passport and stuff. Like, um, <laughs> a what? Like, your passport. Like, it's in Brazil. I don't have one of those. Oh, we get to the embassy, blah, blah, blah. I went to the embassy. All right, well, you need to be on the flight tomorrow. That's fine. Let's like, go. That's not going to do anything with your weight cut? Like, no. I'm fine. Got there. I was 214. Made the weight. 
No problem. We're not to dominate the fight. And I remember, um, if you go back and watch it, you hear Brian Stan say, we talked to Corey Anderson before this fight and say, how do you think you're going to do with your cardio being such short notice? You got here or seven days notice, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm always working out. You know, I'm going to shoot just like I shoot every other fight. And I'm going to be able to take shots the whole time. I won't get tired. You hear Brian Sands say, he says he can take shots the whole fight. It's like at the beginning. But I don't think he can do that. Coming to Brazil <laughs> with the flight, blah, blah, blah. Then at the end of the fight, he said, Corey Anderson shot and punched and moved this whole fight. And when the fight was over, he was walking like he had more energy. This says a lot about this kid. This kid you put really, the time in, he man. really works out nonstop. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Where do you think it comes from? Where'd you get that work ethic? Because you were a fat, you're like a reformed fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was definitely a reformed fat kid. But I got what were you at your heaviest? 297.8. Jesus Christ, Corey. Yeah. What the hell were you eating? Everything? Everything. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> at the time, I was a heavyweight wrestler in college and I got injured. You were and that heavy through college? Yeah. I was at 17, 18 years old. Wow. 18. What made you bring it down? Looking in the mirror. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I was injured hey, when I was that big, but at the time, my coach was like, so since you're injured, we just need you to eat and lift, eat and lift, and that's all I did, and I was eating the wrong things. I was lifting, I was strong, but it yeah. wasn't sticking on me. Like, I, when I came back, and I was looking at the other athletes, all the other heavyweights, they were kind of like cut shoulders, they had like big chest, and this, and I just had like titties and a belly, but I was <laughs> strong, and I was like, what the hell? And it was just like, looking in the mirror, compared to them, like, I got to do something different. Then I started working out, and my body started to sculpt. I like the way it was looking. Like, you know what? I can keep doing this. I'm going to keep going down. Did you always have a good work ethic? No. When did it When did it switch? Was What was the inspiration to make it switch? I would say it switched to the man I am now uh, after I got injured my freshman year in college. Okay. And uh, it was more like my father and then the coaches I had, that coach that inspired me at the time. I had Dave Klim who recruited me. But I got injured right away. But the next year when I came back, I had him and Stephen Bradley. Stephen Bradley to his day. So one of my wrestling coaches, I fly out to help me through camp or outside of camp. I go to Indiana and we work MMA technical moves that can work. And uh, Jason Hoffman and Brian Morgan, those four guys right there, along with my father. It was like the way they instilled and worked on me all the time. It's like, you know, my dad to this day still says, nothing comes to a sleeper but a dream. Meaning get off your ass and go do something. You know, if you got something, if you ain't got nothing to do, find something to do. There's always something to be done. You're never done with your day. Your dad's a self-made man too, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. your dad have a successful company? Yeah, that got he runs? A, a successful roofing company that started from scratch, from nothing. He's the youngest, or second youngest of ten from St. Louis, poor, you know, single mother, grew up in a home. They all shared the same bedroom, all that, and just, you know, he wanted to go a different way in his family. Everybody in my family is still obese, and my father was obese too. But at some point, he said the same thing. He just wanted to lose weight. And then he came down, got down like 190s, 180s, then became a bodybuilder and was a chiseled 200-some pound man. And then he was riffing and now he's just a healthy, what, 57-year-old man, got all the money he needs, he's living a happy life, doing what he want to do. It's amazing. It doesn't matter who I talk to. All the positive things that happen in every person I've sat down and talked to on this podcast from... Uh, from uh, doctor, tattoo artist to you know business people, fighters. There's always relationships that inspire us, and you you definitely you've started to touch upon the different people on the roadmap that inspired you, and you've been really fortunate to come across guys that have you know helped you turn the corner in a positive way. I mean, so you, you know you were heavy. Talked about these guys motivated you to get on the Ultimate Fighter. The one thing about the Ultimate Fighter, it's 
the opportunity, like if you look most seasons, somebody from these teams ends up sticking with the coaches from the season. I think it's really that's what that's the the best part about it is I think you get these guys that come kind of out of nowhere and they get put into a system and they get structure and they get connected with like a real coach and they get opportunity. So you know you go from that you know your wrestling hookup to then you get on the Ultimate Fighter and you were fortunate enough to get on Frankie's team and then you get mentored again and you stuck with it and you're just you're you're just really fortunate to have good relationships and you can't do this alone, man. No, can't do anything alone. It's all relationships. We're always working with somebody for something. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one thing I talk about with fight careers too is uh, if you recognize that and you can carry that with you when your career is done, you're going to continue to have opportunity because there's value in those relationships. And if you can learn that in your career when it's over, you can maintain that with the people that got you to where you were, and then you can pass that on to other people and help the next generation. You know, that's when the opportunities keep coming and. You can stay in this sport a lot longer than your fight career is going to allow. So, what do you have for aspirations right now? What what do you what do you see yourself a year from now? A year from now, be still dominating the game. You know, got to get back into winning ways. How long do you think for that belt? How many fights? I think I'll be back in the title talk contention within two or three fights. Two or three dominant. You know, then it's just. Right now, with our division, it's kind of the belt is on hold. Now the DC is fighting yeah. with the heavyweight. There's going to be some people in front of me, you know, Gustafson, Glover, guys have been waiting for their shot again. And once all those weed out, you know, I'm not in any rush for fights like I used to be. Yep. You know, when I wasn't ranked, it was like, oh, put me in a fight. Ollie, book me. Ollie, book me. Ollie, book me. But now I'm ranked. And, you know, you got to think, what, two of the guys, one of the guys in front of me already destroyed. It's ranked fifth now. So now it's just all about smart fights. I win this one. I wait and see what's next. Watch the division. Weed it out. Stay ready for anything. Somebody get hurt in the top fight and top 10 for any of these fights, I take it. You know? Yeah. Step in, dominate that, win that, whatever it is. A couple more, same thing. Get my redemptions with Jimmy and OSP, wherever it lies, when it lies, however it falls, be ready when the opportunity comes. Go out there, prove, yeah, you caught me. You know? You can look at none of my fights, all my fights, you'll never see the fact. Corey got beat. Nobody has ever pushed You've been me caught. Yeah, you just been, I've been caught. You've been caught. Nobody has ever outstruck me, outbeat me, took no. me down, outwrestled me, stronger than me. It's always my simple mistakes, you know, my my greenness in the fighting of yeah. things that I don't recognize I'm doing. I think I'm fine. And they see something because they're a 10-year, 12-year veteran in this, and they can take capitalize on it over my four years. The one thing that I, I, I saw you do this time after the last fight, which, I mean, it's crazy. How long, have, actually, how long have we all been circling each other now? It's been a little while. Three and a half years. Like, I met so Carl crazy. Like five, six months after I got to Jersey. So crazy. It feels like it feels like a second, but then you start looking back, and it's like, wow, we've actually traveled some miles together. <laughs> I was going back, cleaning out my old laptop, and I got all the sparring film Mark used to send me from way back. I got me and Carl's first spar. In the cage, and it was like we looked like the amateurs. And <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. I watched it like three weeks ago. It was pretty raw. Bad. It's just raw. It was pretty bad. Just Carl raw. was slow. I was slow walking into punches Shit. just to get a takedown. And now you look at it now, it's like night and day. Totally different, for sure. And the the one thing though, after that last fight, last fight, I don't want to talk about it, but you came out of that fight and you were determined. To take the time you needed to take to fix what you had to fix, 
and that's just again it's just a very mature understanding of your career you didn't rush anything you weren't like fuck it let's hop back in and let's just like fight through this it was like nope hold on we're gonna train we're gonna figure this shit out okay i'm good now i'm back in camp and we're good and you took that pause and it was smart and i mean you've made massive there's a massive difference in who you are today anybody who thinks your next fight is going to be the same Corey anderson they've seen they're crazy there's different things going on now. You're a different guy. So whoever they've been training for, it's old version. Yeah. I don't even know what version, what point oh this is, because you keep a fucking evolving. <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing about film, people watch the same old film and think, oh, he does this, he does that, and I'm the same way. You know, when Mark Henry, those guys break it down film, say, oh, you see, in his fight he does this, but in my mind I'm thinking, what if they change? I don't want to be prepared for what it is they did. I want to be prepared for what I can do to anybody. Like I said, I don't train for this guy per se. I'm not training for Pat. I'm training for the belt. You know, and if I'm training for that belt, I can defeat anybody all the way up. If I keep my hands up, if I keep moving, if I'm throwing my kicks, if I'm throwing these elbows, mixing it up, you never know what guy to prepare for because at any time I can switch it up. I can throw the hands if I want to throw the hands. If you hit me, okay, that's fine. You hit me. Guess what? Now I got wrestling. And most guys in the 205 division don't have the wrestling I have. There's very few guys, and that's me, Pat, DC, John Jones. And I think the rest of the division, they kind of, with the wrestling, they're not nearly as evolved. They might be good in college. They could have did great. They could have won nationals. But the fact of putting wrestling with hands and wrestling MMA kicks, wrestling is not exactly, collegiate not wrestling. The same. No, not at not all. Not many people can do it. And the funny thing about it, too, is from the outside looking in, a lot of people can see people wrestle, but wrestling. The, the difference is not what you see as much what you feel. Mm-hmm. A guy that can really wrestle feels like a truck is parked on top of you. Some guys, it looks pretty, but there's something like Can't the feel the side of it is different. It's that like snappy wrestling where guys like snap, but they don't smush them when they when they yeah. take them down like when you take somebody down you're like a freaking truck parked yeah, on them and they can't get up them, yeah if you get up you're gonna carry me first yeah you're not just gonna jump up when you get up you're gonna be tired and you're probably going back down again because you're so tired i'm yep. gonna take advantage of it and when i mean psychologically when you get taken down and somebody sits on you like that when you get back up everything changes and you're not fighting comfortable because you're like, shit, I don't want to go back there again. Mm-hmm. And so you're fighting to not go back there instead of fighting to win. Unless you get the, the random, like, super mindset guy who just doesn't give a fuck. Edson versus Khabib was that. Edson didn't give a fuck. No. I never, I, like, I literally watched that fight going, I, okay, he, he just broke. Oh, he's back. He just, oh, what? Oh, he, how the hell is this happening? It's like in his mind, he knew, I'm probably going to get taken down again, so let's just throw everything we got. Hit yeah. him with everything in the kitchen sink. And try to stop him with these hands, kicks, spinning kicks, spinning back fists, knees. And if you take him down, we're going to fight to get back up, and we're going to do the same thing. And kickbo- kickboxing culture is a little bit different than other sports, which you understand my mindset's a little bit different than yeah. most people. I'm a little crazy. Yeah. But the- a little? <laughs> <laughs> you are the one that said I'm an accessory to murder with the way <laughs> Carl and I do work. But uh, the thing about it is... Like, the, the kickboxing mentality is as long as there's time on the clock, I'm going to knock you the fuck out no matter what's happening. Mm-hmm. You're always looking for the kill shot, and it's different. Like, there's not too much of a grinding mentality. You're a sniper. You're you're looking to kill somebody. It's to- it's it's different. It's, it's just a different mindset. It's a different culture. And, you know, the one thing with Carl, which is fortunate, is he's open-minded enough and smart enough to round out his game. A lot of kickboxers think because they can hit so hard, they don't put as much effort in other stuff where, you know, Carl could put more time into different things, but he still is doing it. You know, he's rounding out his game. And with you from wrestling, 
you get into that wrestling's more of a grind and you have to learn how to snipe at times you have to learn how to be heavy and then when to crack and put it on them where i think the strikers were they know how to put it on somebody and it's just you're coming from two different kind of places but i mean your kickboxing is is uh way different than it's ever been you're actually hitting hard as shit right now so i can i can attest to that again like you said after the last fight it was things i knew i had to do like i it wasn't a mystery what happened when i found out what i got knocked out with it was like your hand was down i saw the highlight on the big screen right then in my mind like you know what i didn't do i gotta start striking but not striking like boxing and hitting mitts with a tie coach i had to go to a kickboxing gym <laughs> and that next tuesday tuesday night i was right here yeah drilling with you guys at yep. Bees, you know working the basic stuff you know what am i doing wrong and after two or three sessions we figured it out like let's start getting in the morning so we can work more personal stuff i can see what's going on yeah. but i can't work with you one-on-one here in a whole class but it's just me you and carl we can show you and once we figured it out yeah the little details and now i'm aware of it and after every sparring i turn to you i turn to mark i talk to carl how am i doing with this is this is, is this good am i doing this am i doing this and they let me know sometimes when you're going back you don't but when you go forward you do good and when you you know it's just but you know you but today is one of those days so you beat me up pretty good today but more than anything because you're a guy you take a lot of information you you're you're a coachable guy you mm-hmm. you're looking for a plus b equals c kind of training a lot of times but now i'm starting to see in you you organically are growing like you're adding your own step to it like you're now that a to b that c i don't have to tell you you're doing something that works for the way in which you move and that's because now you're putting in the time and that's the difference in the beginning from i mean you've again you're so fucking green with this that the more time you get into this the more comfortable you're going to get the more you're going to discover about yourself in the sport and you can see that happening now and that's why i feel like sky's the limit with where you can go because the evolution from that osp fight to this fight it i don't know how to put it but before it was kind of like okay this is you would see it and say, this is what I have to do, where now you're just kind of doing it and it's kind of rolling and things are coming together. And you still think a lot, but there's that step off that just makes sense that's just happening now. You're not saying, okay, this is what I need to do. It's just happening because you're rolling. And that's the evolution of it and the, the getting more comfortable with it. And I'm excited for this fight because I just want to see you put it on him. I want to see you do what you do. And I just want to see you blow this guy out of the fucking water and – that's the plan. I mean, and the main thing is you think most guys that started fighting hear their stories like, oh, I started in the gym, you know, I was just taking boxing classes, or taking a kickboxing class, learning to do kickboxing, and eventually the guy's like, oh, you're good enough, you should take a fight. <laughs> my story is not the same. No. They came to my wrestling room, ben, they sent Ben Askren in, and he was wrestling with me, and he was like, you know what, you should try. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And one day was training for the Olympics, the Olympic trials, and he said, meet me at this gym, and up being Rufus Sport. And next thing I was sparring, and all I knew how to do was wrestle. And I never <laughs> took a class. Like, I never took a... I've never, to this day, until I came to you, in your Tuesday night class, I had never had the opportunity to go ahead and take a class in a group of people <laughs> and actually You run. just fought. You know, I was always in pro practice. Like, yeah. sparring, jujitsu. We work with this. All right, we're going live. So, everything I learned, they told me, like, we're going to have to throw you to the wolves because you're not going to be able to fight amateur. You're too good. They're going to have you go pro right away, and you just got to learn. That's how it is. So now when I'm getting a chance to go to a class and ask questions and learn, see other people do it, see the professor demonstrate it over and over and over, yeah. and you demonstrate something over and over and over and show it to me, all right, do it on him. 
all right, that makes sense. And then yeah. when I can see it, I know what I'm doing. Other than that, I've been watching stuff on YouTube, kind of yeah. like John Jones started watching YouTube. Well, I started in the pro practice, looking over while I'm on the mat, getting beat up by somebody, see what they did to get up and trying it. And if it worked, it worked. If it don't, I figure out how to make it work. I feel like your greatest technique to this point has been just mental toughness because mm -hmm. seriously, I mean, learning on the job, having so little time, if, and two, I mean, how many, you have three losses, right? Four. What's your um, four? Gian, I lost a decision, uh, Shogun. I won, but I gave him the Yes, that, I don't count that fight. You've been knocked out three times, though. <laughs> yeah. But shit happens, whatever. It's part of the fucking sport, whatever. But, so, you could have quit off of most of them. You were smiling when Gian caught you. That was the craziest I remember they put the camera, your teeth were all over the place, and you were you were like happy. I was having fun. That was crazy, and you came back, and you're you were you were so pumped up. You were so young. That was young in the career too. Yeah, I was like 24. Man, you were just you were just living the dream off that fight. That was nuts, and that was like you knew it. There, he's like, okay, he's a little crazy. He's gonna be all right in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was loving it. Like you said, they always say, have fun, enjoy the light, enjoy the time. And it, man, I remember walking out and. Right away, first person I saw was my mom. Next person I saw was my old wrestling coach, his, uh, his best friends, and all the people I didn't party with, you know, after when I coached college wrestling. We used to go out and party after the matches. Now I see some people from my class. I was like, I was like, I'm in my backyard. This is New Jersey. You know, this is pretty much home now. This is after my first full training camp here. I'm hopping, I'm geek. And I got in, and you're like, you know what? Fuck it. This guy been in the UFC, what, five years? <laughs> this is my sixth month. I'm about to show him. Let's get it. And it was, after that, it was fun. He, 31 leg kicks later, teeth crushed out. I was still smiling. Blood dripping. I'm having fun. Just got caught. It's funny. I get a lot. People ask me about my career and because I've got a lot of, I've got some issues physically right now. Like my back's a little bad. I got a bad neck. I got a busted knee, different things. You know, I'm old and my body's been through the ringer. But the funny part is I'm always smiling when I talk about my injuries. And people are normally like, you know, they're like crying about their neck pain. And I'm smiling about it. And people are like, why are you smiling when you're telling me the roadmap of injuries? I'm like, because I got hurt doing what I love to do. Mm -hmm. I was living the life. I have a roadmap of experience. Like, they're the maps of my life. Like, every injury I had, I have an amazing interaction with another human being to describe it you didn't trip over studio equipment. yeah i didn't trip over studio <laughs> equipment i didn't get a bad back from sitting at a desk every day i got a bad back from fucking training really hard and yeah. you know going around the world three fucking times and doing whatever it was i did and it was you know i i hey man i you know me i i, I love this life um it's different and not everybody's can not everybody subscribes to the the warrior life like this but hey is what it is. I mean, what other profession can you get locked in a cage in all these different countries and get paid to just let it all hang out and just do this life, man? It's it's just such a just a crazy trip. And what you find out about yourself in these matches too, if you're open to it, you can become a you can become a really strong human being from this sport. And you can be better for it, or you know, there's some train wrecks from it too. But you have an amazing opportunity to create a life that. You know, less than one percent of this world will ever know. Mm-hmm. Look at Conor McGregor. Perfect example. The man was like, "Have you seen that documentary of the tourist yet?" I I have to. I haven't seen good. it. I gotta watch it. That I like the rest of the time. I wasn't as a businessman. I always, you know, I don't know what Conor did as a businessman to get the money he did. How he talked his way into things. 
But as a fighter, I never really liked him. But when I watched that, that made me a fan of Conor McGregor. When you see where he came from, the how he did it, and where he is now, it's actually pretty damn good. I, I don't believe in the secret. I don't believe in all that. You know, if you think it, you know, like the universe is going to conform. But I do believe you can almost will yourself to become whatever it is you want. And I kind of see that with him is where he just. It was the Muhammad Ali thing. Muhammad Ali had a quote. I'm going to misquote it. It was along the lines of, I've always been a world champ. I just had to, you know, put myself in a position where everybody figured that out kind of mm-hmm. thing. And that's that's what I feel with Conor McGregor. He always felt he was who he is right now. And the world just had to wake up to it. And he just kept doing his thing until it woke up. It's and like the Ali quote. They always say, um, I, was, I, told, I told myself I was the greatest before I really was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing. You, you just have to... Believe it. If you think it, it's going to happen, it's when you think it, you you push yourself to it. There's a lot of people that say, oh, I believe this, I believe this, but really they don't. Because in their actions, they don't show they do. They just sit back and wait for something to happen. And when you actually believe it, like me, I believe that that belt is going to be mine. Like I said, it's not if, it's not if, it's when. Yep. And that's why I work the way I do. You know, if I miss a workout today, somebody just passed me up. And I, don't, I can't afford that. The one thing with... With that is is uh, there was um, I can't remember his name right now. God damn it, my head's not working. I'm gonna have to remember the book. But there was a, a physicist actually did a study because this guy was trying to prove that the secret was about, he was just they were talking about like if you think about stuff, whatever. But they actually proved that your body produces more energy when you actually believe what you think. So it really does matter that you're thoughts and your actions and your belief systems are actually in line it actually does create something mm-hmm. so if you that's why i don't like the the positive just positive talk i think it's bullshit like if you don't do the work it's nothing i truly believe that the work comes first because the work is what creates the foundation for you to believe in something because i could say i'm going to be a world champ but if i don't do anything i'm just saying something but if i'm doing the work on the path and I'm backing it up by saying, okay, I believe in the work I'm doing and it's going to make me a world champ. I am going to be that. That's way different. And that's when you really combine everything into that effective flow where it's like you just got to believe in that work you're doing. Because if you're questioning yourself too much and you're putting, you're training yourself to have doubt, that's a problem. You got to have a goal. And that's, I, mean, I, I always look at guys and I say, look, where do you want to be? And then you got to kind of reverse engineer it back to where you are. And then that creates the roadmap and it, gives you the confidence to have a forward vision. You can't figure it out as you go, man. You really do have to have a forward vision and you do have to have a plan and you do have to connect with that plan. You got to believe in it and you got to have people around you that you believe in. Not bullshit yes men patting you on the back, but people that you know are going to tell you the right thing and the real thing. I had this one coach used to tell me no matter what was going on, my eye could be falling out of my head and he'd be like, you're doing good, man. You're good. You're going to win. I was like, I can't believe you. (laughs) Like, you're not giving me the right adjustment here. Keep doing the same thing. You're going to be fine. I'm like, no, I'm going to be blind, motherfucker. (laughs) I want to win. I don't want to survive and be blind. When I coached, I learned one time. It's only one. It's only okay at one point to lie to the athletes. You know, and that, I used to hate it too. um, Every year going to the region tournament before national, national qualifiers. For some reason, my college team, we have a dominating season. But going to regions, they were always the training with lack. It was lackluster. Everybody is like falling over. Everybody milking injuries. I never get the coach told me. He said, "You ready to go out here and do this?" Like, do what? Go out here and suck. Like, go out here and lie to these guys. Like, what? <laughs> he was like, "We gotta make them believe. If we make them believe that they've been practicing their ass off this weekend or this week. Maybe this weekend they go out there and dominate." And he went out there telling guys 
awesome week of practice. I'm looking at Cyrus here like, you a fucking liar. <laughs> and they dominated the region tournament. They smacked people that beat us. They was pinning everybody. And we won that and set a record on points. And I was like, yo, He's like, look, I guess it really worked. And we tell them that they did good. They believed it. But you know Other what, though? That, I don't lie to people. But you know what it is, though? <laughs> Everybody's different, though. There are, and especially in a team environment, you coach. If you're okay, if you're on a strong team with a good coach, whatever that coach says, you believe. Mm-hmm. That's a dominant figure in your life. When you, that's your like mentor, your coach, your leader, your your father type figure who's like controlling your season, and you really believe. When you're locked in like that, you could feel like complete shit, and they'll be like, "No, you're doing awesome." And you're like, "Okay, I'm awesome." And you and it's what you need sometimes. Different environments. Some people can go with that, and some people need more real. I mean, I I've had guys that if they were doing bad, I would have to tell them, "Okay, you're doing bad, but remember when you were doing good." <laughs> you know, like you do have the ability to be good. You're just doing shitty right now, but you do have the ability to not be shitty. So let's not be shitty. Yeah. And then they go and not be shitty. I mean, there's a difference in coaches. Like the yeah. coaches we have here, when it's when you're doing bad, they'll tell you, like, bro, you're not what are you, you're not doing what you used to do. Like, Mark Henry is key. Like, he will make you feel like you've never done anything right in your life. <laughs> but when you do things great, he'll make sure you know, like, that was exactly what I'm talking about. Like, Thursday was a perfect example for me. I thought I had a horrible sparring. And I was like, what are you talking about? You did good. You didn't do as great as you usually do. But you did a lot of good things. Like, yeah, you was a little slow and sluggish. But it's the end of the week. You've been training hard and shit. You've been doing three, four workouts a day today. But but you just made a good point though. A lot. It's funny as a fighter. Well, you know your fights. When you watch your fights, do you remember it going down the way you what you see? Do you remember the fights differently? Like when you when when you step out of the cage, you remember mm-hmm. it one way, and then you watch it, and you're like, oh shit, it's another. Yeah. That's normal. So the one thing with sparring too, you have a certain criteria that you're putting yourself on, and you're missing the little adjustments that you're making. And if your coach really knows you and he's paying attention, that's the one where it's like your dog shit tired and you're mad because you're tired, but you didn't realize because you were tired, you did some things different, and you actually made some stuff work that you don't normally make work, and you're making little adjustments that you're not paying attention to because it's not what you care about right now. You're caring about what you always care about, and then your coach season is like, wait a minute, you actually did really good. I had a guy the other night, uh, last week, Casper, was sparring, and he did like six rounds, seven rounds, first five rounds, total dog shit, total dog shit. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? But then he got exhausted, and then the last two, three rounds, it started to come together, and when he walked off, he's like, man, I sucked. I was like, no, you actually pulled yourself together, dead-ass tired, Started doing the stuff that I wanted you to do in round one. It like all came together for you at the end. But you're so tired, you didn't see it. But you were good. And he was like, oh, really? Okay. Comes back to class next time, hitting pads like a whole new man, focusing on things a little bit differently. Like You need somebody to point that out to you, mm-hmm. that you're making those adjustments and that you are rising to the occasion just differently than what you wanted yourself to do. It's, it's, it's that weird balance, man. This is, this is such a mind fuck of a sport that way. And that's why you, have, you can't do it alone. And you, you have to have the right people around you. I'm not the right coach for everybody, and I know that. Hmm. I know for a fact not I'm not. Not a sensitive-ass fighter. What? Not a sensitive-ass oh, fighter. Oh, no. You never survived me. <laughs> or Carl. You know, Fuck. I mean, like you said, you got yes-men coaches, the guys that lie to you and tell you everything is going to work. Oh, that's great. Oh, they hit pass, they overdramatic, and they fall. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would have been lights out. Then they get into a fight and something happened. Like, oh, it didn't work. But, oh, that's because they didn't do it the way we... Like, no. It, it wouldn't work from the get-go, but you pump their head to make them think... They were untouchable. They didn't but have to correct it in any way. Those are the star fucker coaches, other coaches that just, 
like that they want to collect the experience to be able to say they've been on this many shows mm-hmm. and they want to be able to have a lot of guys they don't necessarily need good guys and they ride talent until talent runs out and then they go find more talent i mean i've been doing this 20 years man i know a lot of those guys. i know this business that way and it drives me nuts and it's funny those guys are really good at selling what they do you take a young inexperienced guy who grew up watching youtube and a guy comes out with his belly pad and his thigh pads and his pretty tie pads and his nice tie shorts and his cool t-shirt and he's saying all the right things. They don't know any That's better. It. He's brainwashed right now. He's at the best gym ever. Yeah, and the Ultimate Fighter fucked up a lot of young guys too because a lot of guys look at the Ultimate Fighter and they think, ah, you hit the pad, you wrestle a little bit, you train for a couple weeks, you take a fight, you're good. You know, back in the day it was shave your head, get a tattoo, and you can be an MMA fighter. Now it's you know wear a tap out shirt. Yeah, wear a tap out shirt, you can fight. But now you know a lot of guys think the road's shorter. They don't realize that it's a very edited road that you're watching on TV, and the reality can be can be a little rough. But that's why I like the sitch with Nick's gym because if you go in on Saturday and you think you're somebody, you know in an hour that you're nobody. And even if you are somebody, you feel like nobody by the end because you guys grind. I've seen some young stars come up think there's going to be the next big thing. And then um, when they face like they finally get that call up to go with Frankie or Marlon or me and Carl or Rex or somebody. And it's just like, oh, my. There's levels like, for this. I thought I was – good but yep. i need to start coming out here every week because i've never been beat up like this before you know or i'm never coming back here again because i don't want to feel this we way how many guys how many one-offs have we seen it's crazy i, I mean the list count. is way that list is way longer than the guys that show up on saturday oh yeah so but we've again a lot of guys i'm not just here we've traveled we've been to vegas yep i've been to arizona i've been to wisconsin i've been to different gyms and if i tell them people like i have to spend how long here i'm here like two weeks I won't see that face again. Yeah. Then once I leave, I see the gym post a picture. They right back in the mix. Is they don't want nobody likes not nobody. People don't like getting beat up by somebody when they feel they are the best. When they get beat up, they just feel like oh they're just gonna deter my mindset. You know, so they're gonna wait till they're gone. They're gonna go back to being a gym class hero, beating up the the lower rank guys instead of stepping up to the plate when. Times get tough. You got to bite down and go. You got to hunt out adversity, man, because this is not an easy business. You're going to be up, you're going to be down, and you've got to be tough enough to do it. And if you're not pushing yourself in the gym to understand that, hey, man, you know my 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 opinion about training is a little bit different. I, I uh, a little bit. I don't look. If you if you are not ready, you need to know. And I'm not saying we need to like break people, but people need to be pushed. And yeah. the kickboxing mentality is a little bit different too. I mean, the thing that sucks with Carl is you get a lot of guys with wrestling backgrounds, and I'm not saying you, but you get a lot of these guys with wrestling backgrounds that really don't know how to block a high kick, and his high kick is something that you definitely need to block or else you're not training for a couple weeks. Yeah, so like <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't want him to kill somebody like that, but shit, putting it on somebody and letting them know, you're doing them a favor. You really are. You're doing them a favor. I got a guy here, Mike, the the older guy that was on the mat tonight. His son, Jay. Uh, Jay Titlebaum was one of my original hammers 18 years ago. But he was 16, and we put him in the men's division at different things. And they would always be like, oh, they would like almost laugh like this kid. And then he would literally knock people the fuck out, like clean people. He hit this one dude, and the guy's daughter was sitting in the front row. He hit the guy, and the guy, like, he hit him, and the guy's legs went. The guy was parallel to the ground and, like, dropped a couple feet, and his daughter started screaming, you killed my daddy, you killed my daddy. And the guy's coach went nuts on me and shit. And I, I told the promoter right there, I was like, hey, 
I told you this kid's dangerous. You guys laughed about it. And I said, we did him a favor because he's never going to fight again. And that's a good thing because he's going to get killed in this sport. You know, Jay went on. He had 40 fights. And, uh, yeah, sometimes you got to tell these amateurs, you know, what pro-life is. It's different. And there's levels. And you got to know. And it's not. And letting them know, it's not. You can't tell them. This is not a find out the hard way. Yeah. Sucks, but it is what it is. I'd rather take one beating and realize I should go be a doctor or a lawyer than uh, have a bunch of people blow smoke up my ass and then lose in a big cage in front of a lot of people. And you know, some people too also they need that coach that's going to tell them what they're doing wrong. But when they get to that coach to tell them they're not doing things as good as they thought they were, they're going to leave. Yep. You know, I mean, it ain't so much of who they come training with, like somebody beating them up is. The coach isn't telling them things to boost their morals or make them feel like, oh, I'm untouchable. They tell them things, the the true hard facts that's going to make them have to work harder or do more. And they don't like that. Like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's the bro science. You get the bro science guys. Yeah. The guys that think they know because they watch YouTube a few times. Yep. And I come across a lot of those. And it's, you know, you tell them, like, oh, you need a coach. You need to do this. You need to do, oh, I think I'm doing good. It was just a slow day today, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. All right. Then we meet again two months later. It's the same thing. One thing I got to tell guys all the time is, do you want to be famous or you want to be a fighter? Because if you want to be famous, go do something else. If you want to be famous as a fighter, you got to be a fighter first. Most people want to be famous nowadays. Yeah. They think it's more, they think it's, I don't think it's just than what it is. Like they make a million dollars because what McGregor makes it look like. Everybody think it's that simple, but it's not. Yeah, but I don't think it's, I, 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 I'm going to just, I'm not going to say it's more guys now than ever before. I think fighting's always been that way. I think that's what was the allure of boxing for a long time. A lot of people looked at boxing as the way out. But the one thing about boxing is boxing is the most brutal combat sport there is. And you learn really, really fast in the gym that if you're made for boxing or not. Get knocked down. Get up. Do it again. Get knocked down. Knocked out. Hit all messed up. You get up at the nine count. Do it again. Then by the time you're done with fighting, you're like Muhammad Ali. How many times do you have to describe? How many times do you have to explain to people that MMA is safer than boxing, and they just don't get it? They don't understand. They think because the gloves are smaller, but they don't say you get dropped down once the ref step in. There's no count, but the ref step in is over. Well, the the one thing is that the focus of the rules is what creates the damage in boxing. All you can do is punch somebody in the body in the head for eight to fifteen rounds, and those big gloves, the larger surface, actually creates a more concussive blow. And so all you can do is stand there toe-to-toe and punch each other in the head and body. Where MMA, there's so many things you can do. It's, there are the fights like Eddie and Gaethje where they just stood there and you know took years off their lives. But <laughs> that was insane. A beautiful massacre. But, they don't, but, you don't, but not every fight's like that. No. Where boxing, this, it's a brutal fight every fight. Where MMA, some of your fights are a little bit more wrestling. Some of them you might get in a kickboxing bout. But even if you get in a kickboxing bout, it's way lower. Hey, Carl, I'll tell you straight up, glory. Three rounds of glory, way fucking harder than five rounds of MMA in terms of the contact side. Glory, you can't clinch. You're just going, 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 going. Kicking, punching the whole time. Pushing, pushing, pushing. Totally different pace. Totally different damage level. It's different. You know, you might get in an MMA fight that'll be like that. But, again, the fights change. You have that kind of fight, then the next fight's different. And it, it just, the damage gets spread out over your body. The damage gets, you know, spread out differently over time. Chuck Liddell's, you know, that dude's probably punch drunk. But, you know, he was somebody that just stood and banged. But, you know, you don't get that many guys that are like that. 
I mean, you look at the punch stats in boxing compared to stats in MMA fight. Mostly every boxing fight, they throw at least over 150 punches. Yes. You know? One and round you, of boxing is more than an exactly. entire fight. And you look in, like, even my fights, my fight with Gian, I threw 300, 292 punches. You know, but you look at every other fight, I've barely broke 100 punches. You know, yeah. it's like 109 or 110 at the most. But mostly it's like 60, 70. You know, and I, I'm a very active combo. Th- I'm throwing combos at the little gloves. But it's not the same because you get grabbed, you get clinched, they get too close, you start wrestling, yeah. you start throwing kicks, they catch a kick, then you tussling, hit the ground, and you got to worry about two minutes or one minute or however long you're on the ground to get up, to keep from the punches, hitting you, catching their arm, grabbing their arm. You know, in boxing, it's just, boxing, kickboxing, it's, you clinch and the referee steps in right away. Clean break, and right away you're throwing punches again. You grab and break. It's and no you break. get your head knocked off, and then they stand you back up, shake you. You good? All right, let's go. And yeah. then you get dropped again. <laughs> doing a stanky leg, knees touching, and they're like, you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, go. All right. And look at Glory. you got to fight more than one fight in a night in the tournament brackets. That's the one. Tournaments are so goddamn hard, man. That You know how you feel after a fight. Could you imagine you got to suck it up and you got to do it again? Yes. Or get up the next day and do it I again? I could do it. But you know how, <laughs> but much, I know exactly but you know how much it sucks. The average person... I can only understand or imagine. Like the World Series one, that was a World Series tournament they did, what, last year, two years ago, when it was one night, four yeah. guys fighting on it. That was brutal because it was three fights in one night. And the damage you get, like one guy got heel hooked. And I know that probably killed his kid. <laughs> then he came back and won the tournament because the next guy got hurt the next round. It's like. In 1996, I went to Australia and I fought in a bare knuckle full contact tournament and i fought nine times in three days by the third day getting out of bed i had three more fights ahead of me and i made it to the finals that was the hardest thing i like the the second day sucked the third day my coach literally had to carry me to the bathroom i could not get out of bed my coach literally had to like pick me up i had to put my arm over his shoulder and he had and i like hobbled into the bathroom and thank god for towel racks man because i needed that towel rack to get my ass off the freaking toilet i had to sit down to pee i couldn't even stand and piss my legs hurt so bad i I cracked my shin on the first day and i broke my hand on the second day and i still had to fight and they screwed me in the final i actually beat the piss out of this dude in the final and i broke his jaw with overhand right and they just they just fucked me and went the distance and they fucked me on the decision because i was fighting an australian in australia it was fucking nuts but man that was hard that was probably the hardest thing i ever did was having to keep getting up those days that sucked that sucked tournaments are a bitch so Corey, i don't want to hold you anymore man you got you're still in camp and uh i'm sure because you're overtime you have like a tremendous amount of work to do real quick give me give people an idea of what a week in the life of Corey's like for fight camp like how many sessions a day and how many different things are you doing right now when it's like three weeks out it's only like a max like three workouts a day max but outside when i first get into camp when i'm far out it's like four workouts however work however many i can get in a day and get my meals in to energize and catch a quick 10 minute nap in between whether i sleep in the car outside the parking lot whatever it is it's just you're on the go. You know, I'm a full-time fighter. This is my job. So yep. why not be doing everything I can to be the best at it? Whether I'm studying film while I'm eating or in the gym doing something slow, technically just drilling the motions, wrestling drilling, strike drilling, sparring, hitting pads, hitting the bag, ground and pound, anything that's going to transition to the fight time. You know, it's, it's just go, go, go. There really isn't. Right now, like I said, I'm three weeks out. So now it's more training hard in the morning. I get two hard ones in. 
early from 7 o'clock to 11 or 12. Then I can take 12 to 6 or whatever until I go back to the gym and do a third, last hard, a third slow one. Like tonight was more of a drill. Good pace on the drill. Yeah. But still hard work. You know, and by the end of the day, you're just tired. You're hungry. (laughs) It's just the life, you know. And then you go home, you eat, you shower, you rest, and wake up. The alarm goes off at 7 a.m. Just do it again. It's just that's the day in the life. And you recently got married. Yeah. Lucky man. Very lucky. Yes, you Got are. A winner. She fights too. She loves the grind. She she loves the art. I get home. She's breaking down film. She oh, you should check this video out. I seen this. This could work well for you. You know, she comes from a kickboxing background, so that was another thing. Right after the fight, when I got in the back, she also said it too. Like even though she don't want to hear it, the first thing you say like you need to get your kickboxing gym. Like I already I already decided that baby. Like I'll be there on Monday morning. I'm going to the kickboxing gym. When I was forty, I did my retirement fight. And I said to my wife, it was weird. It's a weird story, but we were sitting at a wedding, and I'm sitting there with a bunch of people at this wedding, and I felt like I didn't belong. I was like, I'm not one of these people yet. I'm still a fighter. I have to do this one more time. And I literally texted a promoter while I was there, and I looked at my wife, and I said, hey, I just texted the promoter for Friday Night Fights, and I told him I want to fight in a couple months. And she looked right at me, and she goes, good. You need to do that. Just do me a favor. Don't embarrass the family. I was like, I got the right woman. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got the right woman. I, I got up every morning. She goes, go to the gym. Why are you still in bed? Get up. Don't eat that. Go trade. Yeah. <laughs> she was on my ass. Every morning. Even when I get up early. If I have to get up at like 6 to come here at 7 a.m. to train with you and Carl. And she doesn't have to work till like 9 or 10. She'll roll over and be like, what do you got today? Yeah. Right, what is it? What's on the schedule for today? All right, babe, have a good session. Remember what you strike and keep your hands up. And wrestling, stay heavy on guys. Like, don't let guys up. Blah, blah, blah. And I just, I love it. You know, like, Your partners. Exactly. Partners my in life, man. My best friend, my teammate, my partner, my partner in crime, you know. Not everybody's fortunate enough to be in that sitch, but if you are, you're definitely better for it. And from one married man to another, don't ever forget how lucky you are. I won't. Don't won't. ever. Don't plan on it. Yeah, I know I've been through a lot of females and just already only what we've been together, what we met years ago, but we started dating like two and a half years ago, whatever it is. And so far, I can just tell the difference from all the females I've been through. Like, it's like why not? Why didn't I find a girl like this from the get go? Because it wasn't time, man. Exactly. But it wasn't time. Exactly. And I'm so happy it worked out the way it did. It worked out perfect for the timing on both of us in my career. To get married now, to be starting to look, to start to want to make a family, you know, I'm 28 now, I don't plan on fighting forever, so we was to get, excuse me, pregnant now and give birth within like a year or so, by the time that child is old enough to know what's going on, I'll be hoping to be out the game, you know, and I can spend the rest of my family and keep the family growing and everything I've learned passed down to them, if they want to fight, they want to wrestle, whatever they want to do, support them and be able to be there as a coach or a supporter. In it. Instead of just being a dad that works all day, drop them off, pick them up, won't be able to see what's going on. How's practice day, son? You know. Yeah, my son and I we're pretty much inseparable. You know that. Yeah. Everybody in the world knows that. He's little B. It's big B and little B. I tell my wife all the time. I was like, "You're raising two boys right now," because I'm reliving my childhood with this little guy. It's the best thing ever. And I got my second one coming in oh, June. You got so. another boy too. Yeah, I got another boy oh, coming. Boy. Man, my poor wife. Triplets. My poor wife. Oh my god. Triplets at different ages Shit. and sizes. But the old man in me side of it is I just always – I just throw it out to the guys. is like, you know, when you're doing the work, 
the good things will make themselves visible when you're sitting around not putting in the work and when you're not going after your dream that's when the bad shit happens and the reason why you're finding the right person now and the reason why you have such good people around you when you have the opportunities you do it's because you are putting in the work and you do believe in what you're doing and you're just collecting the good things around you instead of having the pity party and wondering why life didn't work out better you took control of your life and that just attracts the right things at the right time and you'll get yours It'll be what it's going to be. And, you know, you're strong enough to handle whatever comes. And, yeah, you're going to maximize your opportunities. I'm very confident in that. And that's why, shit, I, that's, that's why I don't, I, I don't mind working. You know, I, I, I pick and choose at this point. I don't, I don't have to work with everybody. I only work with the people that I know kind of subscribe to what we subscribe to. And I know that you're one of those people. And you've been a huge help for Carl. And, uh, you know, we have to return the favor by making sure that – you're as ready as can be too so it's all good man it's all good mutually beneficial trade that's the way it is so Corey, you gotta do the shout outs you get the last word well you'll get the semi last word because i get the last word but throw uh throw out uh whatever you want to throw out to whoever's out there that you want to uh draw attention to and also let everyone know where they can find you all right well first i want to thank the high for having me on um Thanks to Killer B, Carl, Coach Brian, those guys for helping me out to where I am now. My wife for supporting me, my family for supporting me and being there through everything. Um, you can find me on social media at Corey A underscore MMA. That's C-O-R-E-Y, the letter A underscore M-M-A. That's Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Facebook at Corey Anderson, Corey Overtime Anderson, the fan page. Um, shout out to the sponsors at Eat Clean Bro, Apollo Nutrition. Those guys are keeping my health and everything good for this camp, keeping me fueled up with the proteins, the BCAAs, the meals, and things I need. Um, other sponsors, you know, I can't remember all the names, but I know one off the top of my head, Aces and, Air, or Aces and Arrows Archery out in Vegas, A&M out here in Jersey. Those guys keep me in tact with the hunting stuff because it's a hobby of mine. Um, Rockwell watches keeping me blinged up with me and the wife with the watches and glasses. Hooking up with the fitness heart rate monitors to keep me going with that. Um, like I said, so many different sponsors out there. You know, I, know. I can't remember them all, but anybody to support me and help me to get to where I am now. Thank you guys for everything you've done and everything you're going to do throughout my career. And shout out to all my fans, friends, and families, and even the haters, the people that post hate support and wish me well and wish the worst upon me you know all of you guys throw fuel either it's great fuel or bad fuel but it's fuel to the fire to keep me being me and doing the things i'm going to do from here on out throw out the training network while you're at it where the place that you get your work in so people know you want to come train with the, with the best in jersey you make it out to nicky tones or carter almeida's come to killer bees um any of the hens gracie affiliates you know you're gonna it's all full circle we work all over, all over Jersey, New York. It's Henzo Gracie affiliates around the world. Um, Killer Bees is an affiliate, but great place to train. You know, just if you're in Jersey, look us up. Look on my Instagram, Carl Roberson's Instagram. We tag where we are all the time. Bulldog, All Stars, different strength and conditioning places. We got the best and everything. So make it out here. Check us out if you want to see how to train like a real fighter. So, Corey, thank you for hopping on here today. I appreciate the conversation. Give people a little insight of what your career is like, what your opinion about things are. I really am looking forward to this fight coming up. It's April. What's the date? April 21st, Atlantic City Boardwalk Hall. And it's going to be on Fox? 
Yep, Fox Sports One. Nice. Are you, it's main card fight, obviously. I believe so. I think it's Edson, Frankie, David Branch, and me. That's how the last four fights of the night. David Branch has been in the mix too, and that's been fun having him around yeah. coming down on Saturdays oh, too. I've been working with him. Actually, working with him the first week I got here, and, and we've been working ever since. He he's a very keep this kid coming back. He's a very intelligent guy. Oh yeah, he's he knows been the, the game for years. He knows you know? the business very well, and uh, you know he's a true tactician, and he's actually uh, another one of the gentlemen. So. You know, I, I got to throw out the thanks to, you know, to Nick Catone for opening up his doors and allowing all of us to get together and allowing this relationship to get started and the benefit that's had for all my guys that have been able to partake in that. Uh, you know, and then we got to take it back one more step to Ricardo for being the guy that created all these monsters that made the this happen. And then to Henzo for creating Ricardo. So, you know, it's yeah. just how the lineage goes. To the veterans and the pioneers, and we just little soldiers playing along yeah right now the general is frankie and we just all following his lead and when frankie retires and he becomes the next ricardo the next person in line steps up and it keeps yeah. going full circle yep the cycle just keeps going on and on i don't think jersey will ever stop putting out fighters something in the water here mm-hmm. i don't know what it is we're all cranky fuckers so i just angry yeah we really are we're definitely <laughs> angry. angry italians no matter well i'm not italian i'm well, most irish people as fuck. here are italian but yeah. everywhere i go in the in the country, I was like, you curse too much, you speak too fast, and you're kind of cranky. I'm like, I'm actually happy today. <laughs> yeah. It's the jersey in me. Yeah, it's the jersey in me. So, all right. So this is the Hive. You can find us at the Hivecast.com. We're on uh, iTunes, uh, Google. Uh, we're actually on TuneIn, which means you can get us through the Alexa. If you got an Alexa and you say the Hive, we actually pop up, which is kind of cool. Um, you can catch all the episodes at thehivecast.com. You can find me, Brian Wright, at BrianWright732 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the gym, KillerBCSA, on Twitter and Instagram. The gym's website is also KillerBCSA.com. Check us out. Uh, quick shout out to all the people that make this happen. Sucker Punch Entertainment. Uh, that's Carl Roberson's management team. Also uh, a big supporter of everything we do here and this podcast. Got to throw it out to Alienware, Pure Spectrum, Meal Plans to Go. Who else am I missing? I'm probably missing somebody. I'm sorry if I am. If you check out our network online, everybody that you know supports this is linked up there. So, again, Corey, thanks for being on. Thanks, people, for listening. This is the Hive Podcast, and we are out.